A quick heads up before we start this episode. Suicide is mentioned several times, so if this is a difficult topic for you, you might want to skip this episode. If you are in the United States and are currently struggling with thoughts of suicide, you can reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988. Welcome back to Who Are You, a CSI podcast. I am Lauren, who has seen CSI three to four times, beginning to end. And I'm Nick, who has currently only seen two episodes of CSI, the last one and this one right now. I can't say that in a few episodes, so... That is true. you got to get it in when you can. Everyone at home will know that I'm the guy who is seeing this for the first time, giving my real first-time reactions and real first-time guesses. Yes, some of the feedback that I received was that people enjoyed the expert quote unquote paired with the newbie it seems to be something that people enjoy so uh hopefully you continue enjoying it and today oh go ahead i was gonna say if you're watching so we did do this differently right last Mm -hmm. time i watched Mm -hmm. half and you know we could try to identify a good breaking point per episode and if, if if the audience likes that format over the over this one maybe they can suggest them suggest the breaking yes. point yes but this time i watched the whole episode through so instead I, I kind of have notes from throughout the episode in terms of where i thought the episode was going so be a little different let's see if you have liked this back and forth and let us know what works best and then mm-hmm. uh we can tailor it to what you guys like to hear Yes, 100%. So today we are going to be reviewing Season 1, Episode 2, titled Cool Change, air date October 13, 2000. Director is Michael W. Watkins. Writers are Anthony E. Zucker, who I did not double-check how his name is pronounced between these episodes, so that's on me, and Eli Talbert. So this one actually has two writers versus the first episode just being Anthony. So we start off... Shots of Vegas intercut with highway and driving scenes. Yeah, I wrote Vegas in really big letters. Vegas! There's a lot of shots of Vegas. I felt like they were like, okay. There's a lot. The show's been picked up. We're out of the... The pilot ended with a bunch of shots of Vegas, but I felt like they were redoing this, right? They wanted mm-hmm. they wanted to sort of sell that the show was in Vegas, and they showed a lot of the landmarks, whereas before it was more like the like just the strip. Just the, the strip. strip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they show a lot more of the landmarks from far away, the big lights. They intercut it and then sort of like faded into our next scene inside of the casino. And they really, before you ever met a character in the show this week, you got all these other little tidbits of inside the casino. So you really felt like you were in Vegas, right? They wanted you to feel that that Vegas feel. And I think the theme of this episode, as we'll find out in a second, is very Vegasy, Vegas centric. And I think that they probably wrote it that way to sort of sell the vegas of it all so i wrote vegas in really big letters so in that vein we cut to inside of a casino you know we see a woman in a cash grabbing chamber we see people at the crops tables and we move over to the slot machines and we see this sort of disheveled guy you know just kind of begrudgingly pulling the lever on the slot machine and then we pan over to a couple and the woman is like talking about winning 
the 40 million that you can win off of this slot machine. So she asks her boyfriend or her partner, I don't know if we know they're like boyfriend, girlfriend at this part, we just assume that they're together. And she asks him, you know, can I, can I get 20 bucks to play? Like I have a feeling. Mm-hmm. And he's, she uses the word premonition. I wrote it premonition. Okay. And her boyfriend is already coming off as a not nice person. Immediately yeah. you're like, wow, you are not a good person. Similar to the husband in the first episode, we are instantly made to not like this gentleman. And he gets upset that like she left left the her cash in the room, so he he goes to play, pulling the lever and he's like, Oh, thank you for like wasting my money and uh." and he pulls the lever one last time and as he's walking away, he hits the jackpot. He he hits the forty million. And they had a lot of signage for $40 million yes. to let you know what it was. I actually have a note here, right, before we even know that anything has happened. I wrote, this This would piss off the guy who was at this slot machine so much. Because this cooler slot machine is like a real thing in mm-hmm. Vegas where mm-hmm. like people play the same machine for a long time. Yes. And someone comes along and wins on the machine you were playing on. And those people get very, very upset about it. Yeah, I've only been in Vegas once, and I was pretty young. I was only 14 or 15, so it's, I was not gambling. But I do remember going up to the room at, let's say, like 10 p.m. So we were at the MGM, and you they made you walk through the casino to get to the elevators to get to your room. Yeah. Like, very purposely designed. And I remember seeing people at, like, tables and at slots when I went up to the room at, let's say, 10 p.m., and then when I was up at, like, 8 a.m. to go get breakfast, the same people were in the same spot, and I, my 14-slash-15-year-old brain could not compute. Mm -hmm. I just, it did, I, 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 and I'm still not a gambler, so I still probably really can't compute it, but it's weird. This is my my first bet. I don't even know if someone's going to die or not, but I'm like, that dude... Who's a he just got cooler and he's gonna kill this dude. Yeah, you were like problems <laughs> ahead, problems identified. I was like, first scene, why not? Write it down. We've already got. A I like murder. it. We don't yeah. have a murder yet, but we have a murder suspect. Feel free to interject at any point and give your at this point in the episode. Here's what I am feeling I will about say, who might be the killer slash like what's the outcome of this case. Yeah. I will say I did for Ben forget about him for a while. That's fair. <laughs> But He's a fairly moment, forgettable character, if, I'm, if I am to be honest. So, you know, there's this big celebration. They're wearing matching T-shirts. The big, ch- you know, they get handed check. the big check, the big ceremonial. You can't actually cash it check, but a representation of the mm-hmm. money that they're going to be getting from this, from this deal. And we cut to the couple being brought to the presidential suite. And moments after arriving at the suite he tells his girlfriend to take a hike. Yes. Like, I'm a millionaire now. I don't need you. Bye-bye. And she's like, oh, what was all I was was sex? And he's like, yep. And like, I'm a millionaire Basically. now. So, like, good. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there's sort of an important scene that takes place where the, the security guard lets them into their suit. Yes, that, that is a good point. The security, yeah, the... His liaison. His, his, I can't remember what they call him at his some point. magnetic strip card is doesn't seem to be working in his door. Yep, yep. That is a good point. That 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 comes up later in the episode. Yeah. And well, as our viewers know, because they better have watched this episode by now. Watch this. Watch this episode. It, the, I will say that it's a better listening experience to watch the episode and have an idea of what we're talking about versus relying entirely on us to reiterate what happens. Mm. 
So. And then the very this is something I wrote down, so I'll say it because it, it kind of comes up later. Is I is I wrote presidential suite, dumps girlfriend, and then room service. Yes, and then room service and comes then, and comes to the door, like, and then it's like boop, cuts. end scene. And so then we come to Grissom arriving at the crime scene where a gentleman is, who we very quickly find out is the boyfriend of the couple, is, you know, flat on the concrete. (laughs) And Grissom very quickly says he didn't commit suicide because jumpers take their glasses off. And this guy still had his glasses on. And I, this is going to get a little personal, guys, so warning ahead here. But I will say that as someone who has struggled at some points with suicidal ideation, the whole thing with Grissom basically going off about how cowardly it is really rubbed a bad nerve for me. It was very judgmental. It was looking at suicide in a very narrow view. Because at least when I was struggling with it, it wasn't oh, I can't handle this pain or I can't do this. It was, everyone will be better off if I'm not here. And like, it doesn't, for me, I'm not going to comment on everyone. It didn't come from a cowardly place. It wasn't a, I, I, you know, I'm not strong enough to to deal with this. It was, I legitimately thought that everyone else was better off if I wasn't there. And that's very, I think in the scene, it's very much the way they often do. And writing is a, it's like stereotyping. Right. right. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. It's like, it's like these things, many of these things are much more diverse and they draw, you know, they're trying to, they stereotype so that they can have that moment with Chris and yep. that assumption. But I think, you know, for anyone out there who struggles, they know that there's a lot more involved. Yes. It's a lot more granular yeah. than this episode. Like I will Everything say, I don't see. think that this, and we'll talk about this later on. I don't think that this episode did a great job of yeah. addressing suicide i think they it did a really bad and job this is, like this it. show has hit on some really intense topics and they did much quickly. better about it yeah and, and and it's like it's it's like i think it's very naive right and it's, yes and it's approach to this one i will i, I to, to bring it back to a more light uh hearted point Thank you. I have a couple of notes. The first is that I thought I thought we had a spot the guest star moment. Oh, okay. All and right. I thought the detective was Michael C. Hall of Dexter, and then I looked it up on IMDb, and he is not. <laughs> I also think that that will happen, and I will admit it when I do that because I there's been a few times where I'm like, that's totally this person, and then I go to IMDb, and I'm like, that is not that person. That is not that person at all. So I will admit when that happens to me. Yeah, I didn't have any real. Uh, finds this episode but it was kind of funny I was like ah spot the guest star I was like that totally looks like or six feet under which is I guess Michael C. Hall's first break prior to Dexter okay but yeah no that was definitely not him and I looked at that guy it was like four things and then never worked again (laughs) nothing and you were like oh no definitely not you I was like I was like like, it was hard to even figure out who it was at first the other thing I was to say was that they he said he pulled a Luganus and I was like why do I know that name and I paused it and I went back and re-listened to it and I was like is that a famous guy who jumped to his death and I was like, wait, no, that's the guy who had the diver. I think he had AIDS. I think I that think was he might be right. Thing. Yeah, it was an Olympic uh, high diver. Yeah, you might they, be right. And so, uh, but yeah, they talk that. They talk about the curse of the 40 million. 
Yes, and that like Grissom, everyone who wins this jackpot ends up dead one way or yeah, another. Yeah, Grissom said he worked all four prior cases and there was no foul play involved for for Debatable. the for the Debatable. forty million. So, and then, I love Grissom, uh, but I'm not. Again, I feel his comments as of late in this episode made me not love Grissom for a little while. So yeah, yeah, we're not in the best of terms at the moment. The other thing he says, I think, really important for later is or really gets paid off at the end of the episode is uh, that he says the girlfriend's upstairs she's in police custody you want to talk to him he says no i want to talk to him yes and that's when he goes and investigates the body and stuff but that, yeah, that's where the whole didn't remove the glasses which does have a payoff later in the episode which i it didn't does. catch on my first walk through mm-hmm. watch through but i did catch on my second walk watch through which i thought was very interesting but yeah those were my notes from that scene all right, then we go to we go to opening credits. Where did you see the golf club going into the yes. head as part of yes, the opening credits? Okay, Actually, I was like, I, I have to ask him this. I may note that like fifty percent <laughs> of the opening credits are from the first episode, and I think a good chunk of them are from this episode. Yes. So I I don't know how much the opening scene will change over the next few episodes, but then it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Like they only had so much footage, and they probably just have kept a lot of this. What stuff. they yeah over the years but i was like oh yeah that just ha- and that and that and that one and that one and yeah like, you were like wait a second like, all oh, this yeah, is like half of the opening credits are for the first episode and then i was like well i've seen these other scenes i'm going to see this episode and maybe there's one or two in the next one but yeah they, i mean that's always tough on a new show is you have to come up with a yeah with, a, with enough scenes filmed, to fill it yeah you've only filmed a couple episodes and so we move to grissom walking into hq headquarters mm-hmm. and he has a ton of messages yeah He's just, which is, I found this to be an odd scene because they didn't really address one. I guess my only thought is that we then find out that he's taking over the unit. So Jim Brass is no longer going to run the unit. Grissom is going to run the unit. And so it was on the second watch through that I thought, is this to show how much more responsibility he has in his day to day? Because he seemed very shocked by the amount of messages. Yeah. I so I, so well, I was wondering like messaging him like congratulations on the promotion or something, you know, but also I had to say, I wrote a note here. You were the supervisor on the graveyard shift. Yes. And you're the guy they're going to put in charge of the whole unit. It's a no. So they don't address it in this one. He is still, I guess. And I forgot just because I literally just watched the final episode of CSI today. There's Again. 16 seasons. So I have not been watching the early it's been a quite a while since i saw the earlier ones he was the lead csi i guess but jim brass was running the graveyard shift and now grissom is running the graveyard shift oh, okay. and we will be introduced to the person running the daytime shift fairly soon i think but this episode they said like 10 like they have like 10 more hours to go but this episode takes place during the daytime Yes, because, because they're working a double after the Holly shooting. Yeah, yeah, but they don't show you any of the other people who would be on that shift or who else would be in charge during that shift. It's reasonable, but yeah. it was it was like very confusing. Be like, how does this department work? <laughs> like, who's reporting to who <laughs> as, and at what times? What's going as on? As the person who's trying to like ke- play catch up and and, and figure mm-hmm. things out, I'm always sort of like very inquisitive. And that was one of those things where I didn't quite know what I was supposed to assume here. I just, I, I've gotten used to like, okay, we've got to hand wave some stuff. We've got a lot of show to explain this stuff. Yes. The details right now. It's really about what's going on. And and then we serve some more station uh, scenes. I think that. Well, we go into Grissom walking into Brass's office yeah. and Brass's advice to him is cover your ass and hide. 
Yeah. Which is very... I mean, that's very... I, CYA is this term that gets used, especially in the healthcare industry a lot. People... It's always about not putting yourself out. Right. Um, and, the, and then we cut over to... Like, they say that's not very Grissom-like. No. No. We don't get that. I, I think this scene is to help establish the juxtaposition between Brass and Grissom. This is a... We're going yeah. to a very different leadership than the leadership that we we were accustomed to and i think that the scene is is helping set that up mm-hmm. and then we cut over to nick catherine and warwick watching the news like regarding holly yeah. so there's a newscaster giving a play not a play by play but similar to that as like yeah, sort of filling in mm-hmm. getting, you, getting you back this is kind of i wonder if the scene was partially set up to if you didn't see the first episode then this is a very quick yeah hey, here, here's what happened in the, the previous episode to catch you up. Or if you, like, yeah. I mean, this is before, I think even, like, DVR. Maybe this is when DVR was a thing. So maybe it was, yeah. TiVo I, was out, but not, like, the Comcast. Yeah, but not, like, the standard Comcast DVR. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, most people didn't have it. So they're watching the news. Yeah, so one of the things I picked up on in that news scene is, like, they are... They, they like question work like they didn't actually know what was going on they were learning this information for the first time so mm-hmm. i think it really is like a educate the it's that having the characters say something they already know out loud so that the audience can get caught back up yeah yeah i think it, it, it definitely felt like one of those scenes. yeah grissom gives a breakdown of what's happening with holly and also announces that he is now running the unit yep and Which... He, sa- he makes it sound like, you know, we'll figure this out later. He's, you know what I mean? <laughs> he comes off very unprofessional in this in this whole scene. He comes off very, Answer. yeah. Oh, have... we'll, we'll all work on it together later. No, I'm sorry, sir. You're the boss now. I got this the feeling is... there was a bit of a reshoot here. Mm, for I one see reason that. or another. It, it, it's just the way the, the camera was, the angles where the shots were. That's uh, maybe in the DV, maybe in the director's commentary in the DVD somewhere. <laughs> they know the answer to this question, but that's what I really felt like. Yeah, like they kind of had to like fill it in a little bit or something. And then they also make Catherine seem very unprofessional in the scene where Grissom tries to give the Holly case to Nick and Catherine says, no, I want it. And Grissom mm-hmm. fairly says, you're too emotionally invested in this. We need to take that element out of the situation. And she says... I'm taking it. Fire me if you want to. Yeah. Oh, if this she... comes to court, they can. It is going to be a point against you that you were emotionally involved with Holly. Grissom is doing this not to punish you or take think that you're not able for this case. It's so that when it goes to court, they can't bring up that it, Holly and Catherine had this heart to heart in a diner. Just, I know they wouldn't be able to get to that level of, yeah, of specifics, well, but... Know, right? But we just had this scene last episode, right? With Warwick in the hallway about, you know, putting yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. You were being selfish, and that's why you weren't... You know what I mean? If you just waited, you would have got the guy, right? Yep. And, and so now here's Holly, and I don't think this is... Intent, it's not like an intentional juxtaposition this is just the what's happening in the show is now we have a different character acting selfishly and getting what they want yes and that's not that's not the best and then grissom tells them that they're he's bringing in sarah seidel to handle the internal investigation because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to have ia involved so he would rather bring in someone that he trusts to do this investigation which i also feel is a point against you yep 
Like, yeah, you're bringing it's... in a friend to do this investigation versus letting Internal Affairs handle this investigation? Just let Internal Affairs handle this investigation. Also, you just got to the station. We had a stack of messages. Yep, 12 messages, whatever it was. You just finished a 10, 12-hour shift. You're on your next 10, 12-hour shift. You call this friend of yours at ass o'clock in the morning. They're going to be here in a couple hours <laughs> from another city. Right? But I was like, oh, Sarah Seidel, replacing Holly. <laughs> right? Basically. It's, it's that basically. whole, like, you were... I don't know if they knew when they shot the pilot if, that, if they were planning to replace that character or not. And I just think that they ended up deciding to have somebody else. It might have been something that Holly didn't test well. Yeah, or she had another job. Yeah, That's or had another job. Sometimes yeah. people shoot pilots and shoot different things. And it takes a while for them gets picked up. Yeah, yeah. Or they want you know thirty thousand dollars an episode instead of twenty five thousand dollars. Right. An That's not in the budget. So they're like. Ark. So we move on to Grissom telling Warwick that he's on leave. Warwick's mm-hmm. saying, "Put me, put me in play," and Grissom. I will say finally in an act of actually being professional says no like you're on yeah. leave get your story straight I well saying get your story straight is not professional go but home, get your story yeah it's it's friendly though it's like yeah you know, it's coworker yeah it's illustrating yeah. the bond they I think we're supposed to understand very early on that Grissom and Warwick are very close they've worked 99 and a half cases together yes we move on to Catherine arriving at the Holly scene we mm. see a reenactment of the crime so her, her like yep. Catherine's initial thought about what happens at happened at this crime scene we see that reenactment Catherine notes that she Holly shot back yeah it was like oh that's cool and then she <laughs> finds a beeper which we were talking about how things felt a little dated in the first episode I was like oh a beeper which I totally you, had a beeper do you know totally had a beeper do you know what's funny in this episode, I get the feeling that Beeper is dated. Like, to the people in the episode. Yeah, like, even back then it felt dated. Because in 2000, you think about it, most people, like, Motorola, Razor, more so than iPhone. Yeah, I guess. I mean, we're many I, mean, I don't think. IPhone, but I don't think Beepers are really a thing since, like, the late 90s. Maybe. Yeah, you could be right. I feel, I think I got my first cell phone in 02 or 03. Yeah, same here. Same here. So maybe it was like 50-50 at the time. Yeah, yeah. But, but I got the impression that like beeper, like it was almost... Yeah, it was dated even then maybe to a degree. You, remember between beepers and cell phones we had pagers where you could send whole messages instead of oh, just Oh, right. Maybe that's what... Maybe I had a pager because I'm fairly certain that it could get messages. Yeah, and maybe that was so I was like, yeah. maybe I did have a pager versus a beeper. Yeah, because cell- I think cell phones are really like, I remember my dad got his first cell phone in 97. He was a very early cell phone adopter because he would spend that, he would have like 100 minutes a month and he would spend like $50 on that. Yeah. Because it was cheaper than quarters for pay phones to check his messages, call back customers because he's in sales. Right. It's yep. one of the places you'd have it. But 2000, only three years after that, most people probably didn't have cell Very few people probably still had cell phones. I really think, like, between 2000 and 2002, like, you and I both got our cell phones in 2002. That's probably about when cell phones started to get really popular. Everybody was basically getting a cell phone. And I I rang up a $175 texting bill because that this is for the younger listeners of this podcast. You used to have to pay per text. 
to text from your cell phone and I was 16, 17 and had no concept of this. I was texting quite a few friends generously and mm. only to be only to find out that I owed my dad a lot of money for that. <laughs> to, to make our listeners feel even younger, one of the reasons I got a cell phone is one of my best friends at the time lived in Syracuse, New York, going to Syracuse University. And I had started to have to pay my dad extra money anyways for long distance phone calling okay because i rang up a hundred dollar phone bill not realizing that calling her was going to be long distance even though i was calling her cell phone because she was in in syracuse new york and yeah it was like we would talk a couple hours a week every week and it just adds up they would charge you a lot of money you know per thing and you know per minute basically yeah, I think uh, it was per minute. I'm it doesn't, certain it was... doesn't exist at all anymore. I know. Like it's, that's, phone, I was, I was just thinking about that. If you have a phone in your house, it would probably be unlimited for $10 a month or something. Right. Oh, yeah. They're like, please buy landlines. Please establish. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, I'm moving. I don't think we mentioned this in the first episode. Yeah. I'm in the process of moving. Crazy enough, not getting a landline at my new place. We, Haven't had a landline here, not getting a landline at the new place. We have a, I have a phone number here at my house. We've had it for 10 oh, years. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I don't know what it is. There's never been a phone <laughs> plugged into a jack in this house. There's one right by my bed behind me, like right by my bedside table. I could have a, I could have a phone. I keep joking. I'm going to buy like an old rotary phone. Oh, okay. I love the rotary phones. I love them. My understanding is they don't work anymore. Like if you tried to use one, it wouldn't. Oh, uh, wouldn't like that. understand yeah. the command. Oh, yeah. interesting. But yeah, so uh, phones, phones are a thing. So back to beepers. Yeah, so finds a beeper, and then we shift over to uh, Grissom and Nick at autopsy. And I had to jot this down where the coroner. I feel like this is an episode full of unprofessionalism. <laughs> I know where this guy. Because her quote was, "At least this one was a millionaire." Yes. Yeah. He's still dead. He's. What? Who, why would he care at this point that he was a millionaire when he is deceased? They're like cracking him open, like ripping his arms apart because he's in rigor mortis, right? And she's like, "Oh, it's like at least this. It's like, oh yeah, another jumper. At least this one's a millionaire." Unless you're. <laughs> why does that matter? And I'm sure that there's other belief systems that believe in this, but you know, ancient Egypt. Part of it was like you had to like. Part of it was like being a good person and like, but it was also how much money you had right they thought like the more gifts that gold you were entombed yeah. with the the better chance you have of getting if, getting into the afterlife and living a, a good life in the afterlife what if you're entombed with black glass embedded in your arm i was to say they found black glass because you this beat is me. another weird corner thing and she had them like pulling her arm she already knew there was black glass in his wound which had a band-aid over it and then she takes it off and pulls out more black glass. Yeah, it was. I think it was for dramatic effect more than anything else. So I was like, "What is the worst autopsy?" Yeah, it's not even twelve thirty in the morning. Here's time. here's a spoiler for you, Nick. She doesn't remain the coroner for long. No. I don't think that this character tested tested well with viewers, and not, she's not around for long. We're two for two on coroners. That is true, because she's the replacement of the episode one coroner. Who I will say. I also didn't like her quote. I disliked his quote even more. So mm-hmm. I feel slightly better that she's here than he's here. But she also doesn't. I don't remember when the basically permanent coroner then comes in. But it's I. If it's not in the first season, that's in the second season. But I feel it might be in the first season. I'm sure they'll get somewhere. Yeah, they talk about the roof. 
Yeah, so, and so they go, they're in the hotel room, right? Is that where they go? So this is, this is before oh, that, okay. they cut, oh, well, they do the reenactment from Jamie's statement. So we see mm-hmm. what the crime scene or what the crime looked like from her testimony. Yeah, yeah. So they, they do this weird thing where they're in the hotel room and they talk about some of the things. And then all of a sudden they, they kind of like blend into the girlfriend's scene depiction and then they're immediately in the interrogation room with the girlfriend so that's kind of like one continuous scene yes and then we move over quickly to warwick calling to get an update on holly's condition and as he's waiting to hear how she's doing he gets he gets a call in so he switches over and it's from the judge and he's telling him that he bet on the wrong team, which I totally did not catch that in the first episode. I, I 100, I as soon as back. he said that, I was, I had to say, I didn't catch that at so, all. I totally did not realize he put a bet on the wrong so team. I, I only have so many, I actually don't have that many notes from my first, first walkthrough. So actually there's two, I should mention this. Right after the glass bottle, black glass scene. I wrote bottle question mark mm-hmm. people for, for listeners. I, we go out to a lot of fancy dinners in my household. And yes, they do. And I'm always very lot, jealous when I see their pictures yeah. on Facebook and Instagram. And she said black glass. Black is not necessarily super common, but dark glasses with like champagnes and things like that to block UV light are, are not that weird. And, you know, they won the, the lottery. I'm thinking champagne was on my mind. So I had that. But then I wrote girlfriend or cooler slot player. Like, who killed this guy? I didn't really know at this point. I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier that I thought the cooler slot player was going to be like the subtle sneak in at the end thing. But at that point, I was kind of like, oh, maybe it could be one or the other. But then I wrote, was the wrong bet in the first episode? And then I wrote, but it was his bet suggestion. The judge was like, do you have a winner? And then he was like, Brett Favre. Got a bet on Brett Favre. And the judge was like, cool, put $5,000 down on Green Bay, which is the team Brett Favre played for at the time. Yeah. And then and, and then he goes off, and I did go back and check in the first episode. He does say Niners. Maybe that was like a later reshoot. They edited that yep. in or something. Yep. I don't know. But he did do it. But I was like, wait, but it was his. The judge didn't want to bet on. He just wanted a winner. And it's like, Warwick was the one who, like, came up the bet. Why is he placing the wrong bet? That was like, it felt really odd and off. And so that jumped out at me. But then I also was like... It, I will tell judge? you, it is to set, set up a longer storyline. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this judge is way more corrupt. Remember last episode, I was like, what's worse? Yeah. Racial profiling yes. or, like, betting or, like, a judging for warrant? Well, I'm sorry, but now I'm all in on the judge situation. The corruption there is way worse yeah. than the racial profiling when he shows up at the judge's house. Because, like, this judge is, they really turned him into a nasty character. Yes, very quickly. Like the first, and there's more the scenes fir- later the, on. But... The first episode, he comes off a more, like, a little bit more just, like, Normal. a little sleazy, but not, yeah. not terrible. And this episode, they're very much establishing him as a horrible human being that we really are not supposed yeah. to like. After they meet, I have a note, and so I'll hold it for that. But like, okay. I was like, "Wow, okay, this is like straight up bad." And it continues to the episode and kind of gets paid off at the end of the episode. Yes, yeah, we'll get there. Yep, yep. And so we head on over to Grissom and Nick uh, on top of the roof of the hotel, and Grissom is pointing out that this like Myers roof dust that helps keep 
electricity or heating like electricity costs mm -hmm. down it like helps keep the building Myers cooler roof dust, they call it. and yeah myers roof dust is what they call it and then they be begin operation norman and they let him fly, and they just start throwing dummies off the top of the roof. And the much more hilarious part of this is the crowd cheering. Yes. Every I... time that one of these bodies gets thrown I... off the roof, I... the, the, the crowd is like, yay, woo, so exciting. That felt very real. Weird. Oh, like, really? Yeah, that's probably true. Like, that, I just felt was like, like this is so weird. really happened. Like, I think that would really happen. And I was almost like, I wonder if they just, like, set up the scene and they were filming it and, and people crowd, showed up and started and started cheering. cheering and they were just like ad-libbing it i don't know <laughs> that'd but be I awesome like, i wish we should we should double check that for the next episode because i feel like there has to be fun facts yeah. about csi and so it would be hilarious to find out if people just started showing up and like woo yeah <laughs> especially in vegas you know right right they're all half drunk to begin with, no matter what time of day it is. That is true. That is true. You can so always you can always get a drink in Vegas. And we move over to the intro of Sarah Seidel, which technically this is not spot, One, spot the guest star because she's not a guest star. She becomes a permanent fixture on this show, correct. which we which we know because the opening credits feature her quite a bit. So mm. before mm. we even meet her in the episode, she's in the opening credits all of a sudden. So she is she is a mainstay. But I wanted to spot the guest star anyway, because this is Georgia Fox, who I knew from playing the wife in the film Memento. Oh, I mean, I know the film. Yes. So, so the, um, but... spoiler alert, spoiler alert for those who've not seen the film. The film is about a gentleman whose wife is murdered and he has short term memory loss and he's trying to figure out who murdered his wife only to find out that he murdered his wife. Mm -hmm. And Georgia Fox, a.k.a. Sarah Seidel, plays his wife in the movie. And I was a film major in college, and so I watched this as part of a novel, or not, it, Memento was a short story, but like literature to movie course. So we would read mm -hmm. the literature that the movie was based on, and then we would watch the movie. And so Memento was based on a short story. The um, one, one interesting thing we skipped over which would be important is they, were, they threw three dummies out and one of them had Yes, jumped, one was pushed, push, one was jumped, and one was fall. 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 Yeah, like an accidental fall. Yeah. Right, and they were like, oh, if it came from the roof, would you push, jumped, and I think they assumed it was pushed based on the distance. Yep. It was in the building. But then one interesting thing Sarah says is, you know, there's easier ways to do this these days. She was teasing and him about being old school. And Grissom's like, computer simulations? No, yep. thank you. And it, we're about to be taken over by AI, Grissom. Get used yeah, to it. But it shows the sort of like new school, old school yes. way of thinking. Like he clearly respects her because he called her in. Right. But also she doesn't necessarily do things the way he does things. And that I think is, a, is an interesting introduction point. Norman pushed. Norman jumped. Norman fell. Wouldn't you if you were married, Mrs. Roper? I don't even have to turn around. Sarah Seidel. It's me. Still tossing simulation dummies. There are other ways to tell, you know. How? Computer simulation? No, thank you. I'm a scientist. I like to see it. Newton dropped the apple. I dropped dummies. You're old school. Exactly. And this guy was pushed. The age, the age difference between them comes up in later episodes. Yeah. One thing that was mentioned in the scene I didn't catch the first time but I wrote down the second time because it was poignant 
later in a moment or two is that they mentioned that Gribbs is in surgery. Yeah, so Sarah asks about Holly and Grissom says she's in surgery. It doesn't look good, basically. Yeah. And I think the end of the... I, I didn't really write down the quote right, but at the end of the scene, I think she says, like, why did Warwick Brown leave the scene? Right, which... According to Grissom, it's because he called him. Like, yeah, technically, then, he then knows he the. Mention that. I know, but it's it's a weird, like that should be. I did find that odd when he earlier in the episode was told War to get his story straight. You called him to the scene, and he came to the scene. Yep. I mean, that that should be know, your assumption of what happened. We know as viewers that that he had already not been at the scene. Right, we knew but that, like, but like Grissom didn't know, know that. that, and 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 nobody knows that fact, right? Right. There is no evidence to the contrary that anyone has. And so, yeah, that's... I mean, they, they've always intended this... They clearly set this up to be something in the last episode, so it's not like they're shoehorning it into this episode. Right. But I think that maybe it was more about a collision between what they wanted to write for one storyline and another, and it just the way it played out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't work out well. I think that... You could imagine a world where Warwick is there for that last scene, unabated to the situation with Holly, right? They could be on different timelines, but when they tried to film everything and shoot it together, those two incidents had to clash. And that's kind of how we end up where we are today. Yeah, speaking of Warwick, we then go over to him meeting the judge in a parking garage, and the judge lets him know that he owes him $10,000. Warwick says... I need a day, and the judge says, basically, while peeling out, you have an hour. Yeah, so I wrote down that it's even worse now. Um, <laughs> I, I, I dislike this person even first, more. <laughs> first off, as far as I know, the judge never gave Warwick Brown any money. Maybe when he delivered the ticket, he gave him money. But he doesn't Maybe. just Maybe, want... yeah, we don't, see that ce- we don't see that scene, but that's definitely possible. He doesn't just want his bet back. He wants his winnings that he didn't get as well. Mm-hmm. So instead of five grand, he wants ten grand. So at this point, we're basically talking about a bribe. Oh, 100%. We've gone beyond, give me a winner, go place it, get me the ticket, you know, whatever, to, no, 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 you owe me Mm $10,000. That was the cost of getting a warrant from me. And so now the judge has really gone to the corruption side. And it's, you know, they're they're setting it up. It's obviously going to be a bigger storyline. But I was like... Now, yeah, now this is something very substantial. This this is not a clean judge anymore. No, no. We shift over to Sarah walking into Catherine working on evidence. I jotted down that Catherine is so hostile. So hostile. Yes, very... You're not Warwick. You're not the subject of the investi- investigation. Why are you getting so... This was a very... Well... This was I... a very trope... I, I woman versus woman and yeah. i don't and i don't like that i am not a fan yeah. of immediately women need to compete against one another that's not what needs and i do like that sarah basically says isn't it better to have like two smart women working on something versus yeah. one sarah gives what i think is a very reasonable comeback of isn't it better to have like two brains versus one working on something we don't need to be enemies here we can work together yeah, the, it's very the aggression is very short lived. It is uh, very short lived. The one thing that I know that I wrote down, so the thing that I wrote down is that is this about being protective of the case because he said that Sarah was going to be working the case originally, mm. right? And so she does the whole Catherine Willis isn't here, she's out in the field, and then mm-hmm. okay, I'm running Catherine Willis, and then 
two better than one, and then and then she starts the pager goes off. I think the beep the beep. I'm pretty the sure beeper. it's a beep. It's a, it is I, a beeper. It's I a think beeper. it's a beeper. I wrote pager, but it's a beeper. And and then all of a sudden they're working together. And yeah, immediately they were like, so we're on good terms. I, I was okay. happy they resolved it quickly, but they had that. It's like. I feel like such like a man thing. I, and the, yeah. I think the director was a man. I was like, oh, good. The director and both writers were men. I think Eli, I mean, I, I'm fairly certain that Eli is yeah. is a male. It's like, oh, we're going to have these two women fight and then also like then make up and girl power. It's just like. It's a I weird. Feel, also, like none of their, none of these characters at any other point in the show feel like they would have done this. Feel like they. Like this is the kind of person they are, so I'm happy they moved off it quickly. But yeah, it was a, it was just one of those things. It almost feels like there was a note from the studio. Yeah, oh, you should have them fight first. Sure. Here's here's one line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they try to track the beeper. They can't do that. The the person used a fake name to register the beeper. Desmond and then there's an M and M reference, which I had. Yes. I was like, oh yes, this is totally two thousand. Oh, yeah. so, so there's the tracer machine, which they say is Gills, which. That he got off eBay. Yeah, which totally tracks, right? Okay, we're on mm-hmm. there. And then Sarah's like, yeah, but they don't come back. And it goes to Desmond Tutu. Yes, Desmond I, Tutu. I, I actually didn't look up who Desmond Tutu is. I have no idea. I, not a it clue. It sounds very much like an Egyptian mummy, uh, but I assume it's not. I assume it's a real person. I think it's because of Tutu Common. But Desmond Tutu is probably a really important person. Yeah, Maybe it's like a rapper or something? Nope, it's a South African bishop and theologian known for his anti-apartheid human rights oh, activist. So okay, so it sounds like a good person. Said, yeah. Not really not who owns, person. not really yeah. an ode to who owns this beeper, but it, no. he sounds like, as a yeah. real person, a decent person. Yeah, I probably should have looked that up before, but I forgot all about that. And she also says she's looking for Ward Brown, nowhere to find him. And she's like, try one of the... Yeah, here's this casino to go. This, this is where you're going to find him, kind of thing. Yep, and then we go on to Grissom and Nick watching footage from the casino, mm-hmm. the redemption card left in the slot machine, and I had to write this down. I think I actually deposit and read it twice to make sure I got it correct, but this harkens back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode, where the guy had been sitting at this one slot machine for 11 hours, 13 minutes, and 15 seconds. Yes. We very quickly move on to Catherine doing a test fire of the of Holly's weapon from the crime scene, and mm-hmm. we see their, like, for their ballistics yeah. expert. He's, like, just starting to talk about, like, matching striations because bullets fired from the same gun will, will have identical striation marks. And they realize that Holly's gun is actually the murder weapon. And so now we shift over to a updated reenactment where there's a tussle. Yeah, yeah. So, and the suspect gets a hold of Holly's gun and uses Holly's gun to commit the murder. Or, which, sorry, spoiler alert, murder. Yeah, so actually, it's kind of disappointing me this scene because... Like, they had this earlier scene, she's like, oh, she checked the magazine, Holly's gun had been fired, right, based on the mm-hmm. number of bullets in the chamber. She's yep. like, oh, she shot back. But now that doesn't, that actually isn't what happened. Now they're like telling you, oh, just kidding. She didn't shoot back. This weapon, well, actually, you don't know this yet, but, like, you know, this weapon was used to shoot her, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we know it was used to shoot her. We don't know whether or not there was a firefight or, or anything like that. Right. But, Presumably, they were checking the the gun because they found no other gun at the scene. 
They found no other bullets at the scene, right? Mm-hmm. And for all we know, that the suspect's gun could have been unloaded. They didn't talk about it much. No, we don't really get much of a reference. They kind of yeah. they kind of gloss over that for whatever reason. But, and we go on to Grissom playing a slot machine. Oh yeah, so, next to the gentleman that we we saw originally who had been sitting at the, the machine for 11 plus hours mm-hmm. and Grissom in a very harken back to first episode where he yelled at the bodies in the morgue has a weird you're under arrest and the gentleman's like for what like what are who are you and like what are you talking about and he's like oh first degree murder and he's like oh yeah whatever and he says that the ground Grissom says that the grounds is because of the roof dust on the suspect's boots and then he does another weird thing where he tells nick who he calls nikki i just feel like nikki is such a weird name for me to say for whatever mm-hmm. reason to collect my winnings yeah. like he went grissom wins not 40 million but he wins some amount of money and tells yeah. and tells nick to collect his winnings like it's oh it's part of your cs yeah. csi3 initiation is to collect my winnings this is one of the things i like so the guy the the guy who was playing the slot machine before the the now dead uh, character won forty million dollars. Leaves his bidding card behind. Like this is like the yes the rewards card for casinos. They all mm-hmm. have them. It's very very common. But probably not something like someone who plays thirteen hours of slot machines does very often. But sure, it could have happened. They're like, give me the name of the guy on this thing, and then instead of that, they just bring him to him somewhere else on yes. the casino floor, <laughs> rather than like. Which pulling is, the guy in uh, he probably is there gambling there you know they could have been like oh yeah he's here is his name he's actually gambling right now and they could you know maybe they cut a scene where they're like oh let's go see him or something but he's like oh, i'm gonna sit down and play for a while and i thought there was gonna be like something was gonna come of it but like very quickly the rapport goes to just like oh you're under arrest yeah and I, was, and I was like was there a longer scene here that they cut yeah out? and they cut it out for time yeah i was like because they did this like quick back and forth where the gambling guy is like kind of talking to himself and then grissom is like oh jack's around or something i don't know what he says but i can't remember yeah it's something like that and, and it's like he's like trying to like get the guy to be talking to him and then he presumably clocks the shoot the roof dust which he mentioned acutely previously and and then arrests the guy Oh, we, we kind of, like, glossed over this. I, I said they were in the hotel room and they were looking at everything. But he has a scene with Stokes, Nick Stokes, earlier in the hotel room. He's like, well, you're a CSI level three now. I think of, that, no, that comes I, later. Oh, is it later? It is later, oh, okay. yeah. Because I have that jotted, oh, okay. I have that jotted down. Because I know exactly what you're talking about, but it, it comes a little bit later. He's like, walk me through. The, I thought that happened before the, the girlfriend interrogation, no? No. Oh, okay. No. No, it, it does come that up. That makes sense. Um, it comes up soon. It, it is it soon. It's just, yeah, it happen, It happens in a little bit. Yeah, but that, that was, okay. Well, we'll see when we get there. Okay. So we move over to Sarah confronting Warwick at the casino, which very quickly moves into them sitting down at a cafe yeah. talking, where Warwick admits that he counts cards. He also admits that he bets on sports time to time. Mm. He claims that it was he, he was out for coffee so that's his excuse for not being at the the crime scene with holly is that he was on a coffee run sarah calls him out and says he was placing a bet and she also breaks the news that holly is dead 
Yeah. And then we yeah, we she died we, in surgery twenty minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, she, she like says, twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Which harkens back to Grissom's comment earlier, where he says that she's in surgery. Yeah, that she's in surgery, and so we get this montage of the cast having very dire faces because yeah, the idea is that they're now learning that Holly is dead, and so they're just they're doing this montage of very sad, forlorn faces after finding out that Holly didn't make it. Yeah, I wrote the showing everyone's grief. It's a very it's yes. kind of a weird composition. It was a weird composition. I didn't like the feel of this of this montage. I'll be honest. It it felt forced. It also, I think is what it felt so, for for me. So some of the scenes in this episode have this airbrushing effect going on, and this is one of them. Mm. And it's like that disappears. Reason. That disappears in later seasons. They don't keep that up as like a a standard throughout the show. We then head over to Sarah and Catherine in the kitchen. The beeper from the yeah. Holly crime scene goes off. Catherine calls it, puts on a terrible, terrible accent, like a terrible bling 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 bling. Catherine tells the the caller that it's her beeper now, and then gets him to invite her over and so he tells her that he's at the three aces hotel room 202 and i did have to say that the the whole sarah saying like what is bling bling and Catherine saying i have no idea i actually did find enjoyable like i find that to be a little bit of a a tickling scene yeah. Yeah, that was a, i actually liked that phone call. i thought it was fun i had to think to myself like was this legal but i was like i don't think there would be any reason why it wouldn't be legal yeah i don't know why it would be I mean, you can wrong. you can lie to suspects in interrogation rooms. You're yeah. not you're we're not they're not legally yeah. bound to tell you the truth. They can say we have DNA results that prove that you're there, even if you don't. You're yeah. allowed to say that to see if that will crack the suspect. Yeah. Well, I listen, can't. She's, and we're saying this from a United States right? perspective. If you oh, can't yeah. tell by our accents, I have no idea how it works in other parts of the world. Yeah. But in the U.S interrogators are allowed to lie to suspects in order to see if they will quote unquote tell the truth and realistically all she's doing is is investigating right she's yes like some consp- she doesn't even know who's gonna who's calling it right and so so that that's really not a problem mm-hmm. and we move over to grissom and nick interrogating the suspects and he admits to being on the roof yep. and and then they show, they prove that he started having drinks with the victim around 1.45 a.m. You know, I have this, I have this name written down somewhere. It's Ted Salinger. Ted Salinger. Okay, I did not, I did not get his name down, so. written on the check. I even had the spelling right. Oh, okay. I made, okay. I made a really big deal about getting You were like, I got written. the name. And so the suspect says that he went to the roof. And this is the other problematic for me representation of suicide was that he, they painted him as a failure for not being able to commit suicide. Yeah. You're not a failure for not, you're also not a failure for committing suicide, but you're also not a failure for not committing suicide. And I did not like, again, how this was worded and how this was phrased. It was very problematic for me. He did take his glasses off in the flashback though. Yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> Which was a big callback to earlier, even though it doesn't make the most sense. But yeah, there was this whole thing about, like, we know from charges that Ted made, right? He went and got some first aid, and then he went and bought a watch. Yes. Um, yep. And then he bought some drinks, and so they asked him what his drink was, and, like, they're trying to figure out who was drinking what, and this guy was drinking Amaretto Sour. And they're like, well, you are, you know, Ted stopped drinking, and you kept drinking. No, no, no. Ted kept drinking and the suspect stopped drinking. 
Yeah, so then he's sort of telling a story, and I think you get, you're supposed to get the idea that, like, he doesn't understand what they're investigating. So he he's, through his flashback, telling his story. Yes. And so it's like, first time's out, he's like admitting like he was up on the roof and was going to jump and doesn't know that the guy is dead. And so so after that, he, he is this where, the, yeah, they, they tell him, like, okay, we're going to go check. So yeah, Grissom tells him that he believes him. He says, like, we're not investigators, but if I'm being honest, I believe you, and lets him know that they're going to go back and look at evidence, and if the, the victim has roof dust on his shoes, then this suspect pushed him, and then if not, then he's free to go. So he has to wait here at the headquarters or the precinct, I don't know what they call it, and until they find this out, and they kind of leave, they exit the scene with the suspect saying, like, I like this guy. So... I will say this. At this point in the episode, I was probably more on the cooler than the girlfriend. Okay. But immediately after the scene, I was like, well, I guess it was the girlfriend. <laughs> this is your, this is your defining it's, moment. It's way too early. It would be too easy to go and check the body and know it's, whether he was a killer or not. And the whole thing would be wrapped up. And so just from a pacing standpoint, I knew it wasn't the answer. I was like, I thought the cooler was going to be like this. I was on him because he was such a sleeper. But, you know, i got to give the show credit. You know... The obvious go-to first gut person seems to be the the person you should focus on more. I keep trying to think there's like a switcheroo going to happen, and, and, and there really hasn't been. Although, yeah. it's much more ambiguous, I would say, this time versus like the primary storyline last time. Yeah. So this, this, this time, it's like, could have been either one of them didn't really know the answer. But obviously at this point, based on the amount of time left in the episode... In Grissom's response, it was clearly not going to find dust on the boot of the guy. And so, therefore, yep. it was, wasn't put on the roof. Are they, and, so, and so, then it all kind of comes back to, okay, but if the girlfriend was, like, what, how? You know what I mean? Because as far as we know at this point, she's been kicked out, right? Mm-hmm. He's gone off. He's on his own. She's not even with him right now. And so, there, I think a lot of the rest of the story is figuring it out exactly how the rest of all this happened right and yeah at this point like it's not like i i didn't know i didn't have the slightest clue yeah how but, they were gonna yeah i was actually thinking that i had the idea that she probably was stayed in the room and okay had, like he left right they had a big fight he left you know and she stayed in the room but i think there's the bits and pieces of how we get back there I never quite figured that out until they just explained yeah it. and we move over to Catherine and Brass at the Four Aces Hotel. Mm-hmm. I wrote, and this I wrote is so. This Brass is my is funny. Back. This is my funny line. So for listeners, we talked about this before we started actually recording. We always chit chat a little bit before we start recording. And Nick had said he had had a really funny line written down. And I said, "Is it about underwear?" And he was, and he said, "No." Mm-hmm. I found it hilarious that the suspects come hither outfit is leopard print underwear because he was thinking that Catherine was there to like get some bling bling Mm -hmm. and he's like in the bed showing himself off in his leopard underwear and i found it hilarious and they so they 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 apper they what's the word apprehend apprehend thank you I'm gonna... and i think it's Catherine who says like for a conviction they're gonna need a dna sample and he has this giant wound on his face over his over his face over uh. one of his eyes and Catherine takes a swab of it hoping that it was holly who 
gave him that is, that wound. It's Sarah who says it. I don't know why I know. Is that. it Sarah? Okay. <laughs> Some reason I know that. I remember that. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I didn't. I wrote the line down, but I didn't write who said yeah, it, and I, I could not remember at the moment. And they they have this moment where she's like, you know, everybody out there, you know, on the radio, she's like, we got Holmes, yeah, we got him. Gribbs is suspect or whatever and they show people and they're in different places i don't know exactly where this note falls because it's from my first watch through but i wrote that actually i I think i rewrote it let me double check but i rewrote i wrote that i wasn't expecting Catherine willis to be the emotional linchpin of this show okay and for a couple episodes in a row she really has been yes because she first shows up she's late she has this, like, rules don't apply to me attitude, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And then all of a sudden, she's having the heart-to-heart with Holly. She has the the girl who's been molested, and then she goes back and sees her daughter. And then she's like, she has, it, we're coming, oh, you know what it is? It's, we're, we're coming up on, on, on this scene shortly. But, yeah, it's after they do the suspect, because of the scratch on the face, she's going to have to go see the body i think that's maybe where i'm where i made that note to, to yeah i was gonna DNA. say we'll be the we'll be at that soon we'll be at that soon that scene sorry but, is, is very soon we have one scene from where we are now to yeah. where she collects a sample from holly where yeah. warwick meets the judge gives him the 10k and the judge tells him that he owns him he says i yeah. i own you which is like and pays off all the corruption and all the nonsense pays off all the corruption and i don't i have a feeling that they didn't mean to have this subtext to this interaction i think it's just like more my lens from where we are now that it's very poignant that it's like an older white guy saying this to a younger black male was a very jarring and i don't know if they meant to have that and again maybe it's more so coming from a modern view that i that made me feel very uncomfortable i kind of think they did because he feels like nobody owns me Yes, he says no one, nobody owns me, or no one right? owns me. And it's like, and it's like, I think in a lot of ways it is, right? It's like, yes, it's I don't want to call it chauvinist. It's it's sort of this because it's not really gender based, but it's just sort of this power struggle. Yes, right. Where it's like he wants, it's like the judge is flexing in a way, right? Like I own you, right? You know, mm-hmm. and, and and works like nobody owns me, and it's like yeah, I do. You'll yeah. be hearing for me. Yeah, and then we skip on over to the scene that we were just referencing, where Catherine has to get a sample from Holly, and she says, and I'm and relating to your, she's kind of the emotional bridge of this show. After she takes the sample, she tells Holly, "I'm sorry." Yeah, or like even she's talking to Grissom outside. Yes, in the hallway. I've got to do this. I got to do this. You know what I mean? And you, she has a lot of gravitas in this scene, right? It's Mm -hmm. not. It's a really, I actually really like this scene as a scene. I think it's like well acted or well composed. It did a really good job. They didn't spend that long. No, the they, they, they got all a lot of motions in in a very condensed period yeah. of time. But it felt very realistic. There's also this weird, this is like one of those things where I don't know if this was on accident or on purpose. But Grissom is at the morgue because he said he was going to the morgue to check to see if there is dust on the boot of the guy yes because that's the next scene yeah is is him investigating the shoes and it's really well woven together Mm -hmm. 
for him to just happen to be there and know this other thing is going on, or was he there? You know what I mean? Maybe he hadn't got around to that thing and he, he was there for her first and, and whatever. But it just tempo wise, it worked really well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I thought, oh, you know, for all the little times I want to nitpick at things, I have to give. You have to give credit where credit, credit where credit is due. When it's when it's done very very well, and I think that's a great example of them doing it very very well. So as Nick has mentioned, our next scene is Grissom and Nick investigating the shoes slash boots from the <laughs> victim. This is a they great... find out no dust, no dust on the shoes. This is a great Crazy call enough, back. doesn't doesn't seem like he was pushed off from the roof. It looks like he never was on the roof. How many episodes are we going to take shoe imprints from people? Oh yeah, shoe, to be fair, shoes are <laughs> they're not in every episode, I will say. You you will definitely yeah. have some episodes that are shoe free, but shoes do play up up they they are their own leading role in CSI, I would say. Shoes shoes yeah. should be in the credit. <laughs> and they also end up checking out the watch, which has yeah. fibers stuck in it, so they debate or they ponder, was he dragged? Is that how he got fibers in this brand new watch? And now we're back to the girlfriend being the suspect. Yes. And we well, pop really over. No one else, right? I no, it's basically it's the girlfriend who's the suspect. And we move over to the coroner, showing Grissom the imprint on the suspect's mm-hmm. head, where she tells him that it's the first and fatal wound. So he did not die from the fall. He technically died from blunt force trauma to his head. They never really come back to the, okay, he wasn't thrown off the roof. What was he, thrown off the balcony of the presidential suite? Yes. But it's probably worth noting that that's like one floor below the roof, so it's pretty Yes, it's not, a, it's not a, like, it's pretty darn sizable close. difference. You'd probably die yeah. from both from both heights, but the coroner's saying that he technically died from the blunt Blow. force trauma, and then the... the Falling was like a secondary damage. We move on over to Sarah and Catherine in the kitchen. Sanders walks in and lets them know that the DNA is back on the from the Holly Gribbs and suspect is confirmed. And then we see the final reenactment of the crime scene, whereas she throws the phone at him. They get into a tussle. She scratches at his eye he gets her gun and shoots her and she's the one that like shoves the beeper underneath the couch for them to find later there's a line here she gave me just enough just enough like Mm -hmm. she knew that she scratched his face that that would be evidentiary or something this is sort of the implication that holly did learn from school or something sort of the subtext here i do have another note i have a really important note okay good oh is this the is this the one Yes, at the start okay. of this scene, we have okay. our 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 product placement of the week, <laughs> where Sarah Seidel offers nicotine gum. Yes, to yes. Catherine Willis, to which she says, "No thanks, I have my own." And like, choose like obnoxiously to prove that she has a nicotine gum in her mouth. Yeah, which I was like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe this even exists." <laughs> I wrote yuck in my original notes. <laughs> uh, I used to work at a BJ's Wholesale Club. And yes, people you did. And buy jumbo packs of Nicorette gum. And they would come in, like, every week and buy, like, what was probably two months worth of Nicorette gum by label usage. 
And these people who were trying to quit, they were basically addicted to Nicorette gum. Oh, I'm sure. Instead of being addicted to cigarettes. Did you guys sell the the patches? Or is that like a you have to go through the doctor sort of thing? I don't think so. All right, because there's nicotine patches. Um, And we shift on over to Nick investigating the fiber Mm -hmm. that was found in the watch. And we quickly pop over to Grissom back in the hotel room. This might be where I wrote, does nobody know how to use a microphone, (laughs) a microscope? Yeah, like, what is happening? So they don't put it in a slide or anything. No, uh, do they? It's just like he's like holding it under the microscope. It's very TV. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're with Grissom in the hotel room. He finds the, mur- like, they never say it, but he finds the murder weapon. He finds this. Yeah, yeah. They show you this. The same imprint that was on the guy's head, like, on, on this. A trophy or a statue. I don't know what it it's was. It's got all the different suits, right? Of yes, the of the cards. cards. And so he's holding it up. And I don't know. I, remember, I don't really remember what side he would be looking at. But they show you the diamond, right? It's facing yes. outward yep. towards the camera. And then he flips it around and he sees the diamond. He's like, aha. Yeah. yeah. And then I had to denote that he goes out and they don't say what this is, but it's luminol that he's spraying out on the balcony. And that's what like detects the presence of blood. So like under certain lighting, mm-hmm. if it lights up, that that means that it de- detects blood. They will say this a million times throughout the series. They don't say it here, which I found very strange for the second episode. Um, Maybe it was because Grissom didn't have anyone to talk to that he's not going to be like, let me spray luminol. And they find blood. And I had to think... Shouldn't you have already done that? Also, like, why would your default be he fell from the roof? All right. Like, he had a presidential suite. You should probably check the presidential suite for signs of blood. Yeah, I also was like, you club this guy and then drag his body to the balcony. Where's the rest of the blood? Wouldn't there be, like, a trail from where you clubbed him? Right, yeah, because he, he, yeah, he wasn't like on the balcony when, like, the idea is not that he was on the balcony when she clubbed him. She clubbed him in the room and then dragged yeah. him to the balcony. There should be... Maybe that's more important in the final reenactment. We can discuss that. Maybe, yeah, the yeah. Thing, so... The other note I have is he calls Nick, right? And asks him, like... I think tells... Nick calls him and tells him that yeah. the carpet matches. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even mention the, the blood on the balcony. The blood. Doesn't even mention not an it. important detail at this time. Important the case of the guy. Yep, it's nope. completely irrelevant. Not Ooh. not important. Who cares? And then this is the scene that you referenced earlier, where Grissom checks the key card log, which didn't register a new login or new entrance into the presidential suite if you left the card in there. So if you, well, I think. So it took me a while to figure out what was going on here. I think okay. Like I, I was like, I was like, I might not be getting fully what happened here. I think what he did is he got. They didn't really say this. But I think what he did is he got the car, the card that the guy who was murdered, uh, was Ted, 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 Ted Salinger, doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens is that as he sticks the card in, he opens. Someone inside opens the door. Yes, you, you right. are right. Yes, and she starts opening the door as he's testing. as he's sliding his card and in. I think he's using the security guard's card at that time, so mm-hmm. it's not the same card. But it's like if you open the door as someone sticks their card in, it doesn't record it. Yes. And the security guard himself is actually kind of shocked at this, right? Yeah, he's he's very surprised by this being yeah. the the case. And but that implies that if if Ted came back and tries to use his card. And, somebody, and the girlfriend opened the somebody, door for him. Yeah, yep. presumably the girlfriend opened the door at the same time. Then it would. And all oh, right, so this is the, the second time 
second episode was someone letting somebody in to kill them. Yes. <laughs> yes. In a row. I hope yep. every episode has this. In it does not. Sorry, no, I'm going to burst that bubble spoiler, right here. Spoiler does, alert. Spoiler alert. does not happen every episode. Second episode in a row, someone has to let you in to kill that him. That is true, though. And we pop on over to the interrogation room with Grissom and Nick, and there's the final reenactment yes. of this of this crime scene, wherein the boyfriend leaves, he comes back, he puts the key in, but before it like can fully click open the door, she opens the door, she hits him over the head with that weird statue, whatever yeah. it is thing, and then drags his body over to the balcony. Uh, this is where I wrote, there's no blood on the carpet? You I know, and it's like a white carpet. Like, yeah. did you go out on a shopping spree? And I think they do mention that she cleaned up the crime scene, but throws, I'm like, that was like a white carpet. She throws his body, so... This probably would be true regardless of what happened, but the the implication is they threw the body off the balcony and then she cleaned off the blood. Yes, Nobody I think that's the that's, that's the time of events. It's like no one noticed this body on the ground until morning. It might have been that by the time, like maybe Grissom was working another crime mm-hmm. scene and by the time that he was done, it was morning. Yeah, I mean... It, like that's what of, I would like to believe. We don't really know what the timeline is. It could have been four in the morning the body over not a lot of people out early that early yeah they're all in there gambling they're not out and about we're actually also never really told like where it is like even though there's a crowd of people when they're testing the bodies yeah we're not shown if it's like an area to draw them into the place right so but yeah so that that was funny but then the girlfriend has this great reaction action like the the putting the wrist together yeah just like nick has to be like you don't care yeah She says no. He asks, don't you care? And she very simply says no, which, you know, earlier on the episode, it's been a while since I've seen this episode, you feel bad for her. Yeah. And because this guy just kind of seems like a jerk. And then he immediately dumps her because he gets money and admits to using her for sex. And then I feel like they gave her an unnecessary... She's also a terrible person. I think you could have told this story without her being the worst. You know, I mean, she's still a yeah. bad person for killing her boyfriend. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you, you need to have a murderer to have a murder show, right? Yes, but so, I just feel like they made they, her unnecessarily. Yeah. It should have been more a crime of passion, in my opinion, versus a like cold-blooded, like, no, I don't care. I killed yeah. him. If, it's like if he, she killed him on the spot or they fought or something, you know what I mean? Then you would have a very different opinion of her than versus yeah. like she waited for him to come back to the room, ambushed him, killed him. It's very cold. Or I should say it's cold-blooded because it's not. She's still very in the moment, right? She's still very caught up in the very, in the recency of being dumped by this guy who only won $40 million because she told him to go play it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's very interesting. But another great line from the scene is is after they're like well don't you care this is let me ask you a question how did you know all this stuff and grissom says your boyfriend told me which yes. happens back to the i want to talk to the body 100 percent in the in in the earlier scene and i was like oh well played i wrote that down i wrote that quote down too because i really liked it pop on over to Grissom and Warwick talking. Grissom is telling Warwick that he has to let him go, that he read Sarah's report. Warwick gives a, and I didn't, I again, I don't think that this paints Warwick in a good light, 
that it never occurred to him that he did anything wrong. But he does like immediately. And then he sort of, yeah, he sort of backtracks on it. He's immediately like, well, here's my gun. Like you have to fire me. Like I get it. Yeah. He owns up. He basically says, yeah, like I, you have to fire me. I get it. And (laughs) I ended, I ended this note down the end of it. I put BS with a bunch of exclamation points. When Grissom says, well, if I let you go, I have to let all of us go. Like myself, Catherine. Catherine had a heart-to-heart with her. You're going to let Catherine go because she had a heart-to-heart with her? What did Catherine do wrong in this situation? Gil says, so this is the moment. This is, I I alluded to this. Okay, this is the moment. All right. To to Lauren earlier that I, I, I mentioned this in the last episode that I thought Gil abandoning her at the liquor store was very similar and also of note i did go back and check the initial crime that that gribbs was dusting prince for where warwick was teamed up with her that he left her on was also a robbery right and yes. they did not mention what the cop left for because i had to go back and watch that because you mentioned you thought it was yeah funny. what she was talking about was that this was that scene was a robbery and so Grissom also left her at the scene of a robbery by herself to death for Prince, although there was another person there. Yeah, I don't... But in Warwick's defense, there was also a police officer there. Yeah. Um, and so when he said, said, if I let you go, like, he, I forget exactly what Gil said, but I thought he was going to so say, if I had to let me go too, because I left her at the liquor store. And he did it, and I was like, oh. You were like, no. That was my whole theory yeah. all along, was that I, like, he I also abandoned Holly in the first episode. Yeah, I would and not. They would come back to it, but they didn't. Yeah, I would not have had an issue with this conversation if it was like, oh, if it stopped with, if I have to let you go, I have to let me go. Fair. Yeah. You left her at a crime scene. You Again, knew that he was working a case with Holly, and I you sh- called him away to another crime scene. So if it ended there, fine. But he throws Catherine and Brass under the bus and is like mm-hmm. oh yeah i'd have to fire them too. no you don't like again, they didn't do anything wrong. again i think i've proven that i should have quit high school and been a csi writer <laughs> could have had a better story for the first one could have a better better line here and then i have one final line which i think will bring us to the the final uh, scene the final scene okay is i wrote perp walk of grib suspect yes yeah the perp walk gonna be a thing in every episode no Okay. <laughs> no, I think this is something that they like. It is in some episodes. Like I think even to the end, it's in some episodes. But in later seasons, it tends to be in the episodes where they arrest them from headquarters, right? So they're in the interrogation room. The person admits to the crime, and then they, you know, they're walking them out of headquarters to go to the precinct to get booked. There tends to be some some perp walks, but it's more so the viewer seeing the perp walk versus the cast watching the perp the other walk. I, so it, do, it does was, still occur uh, throughout the series, but it is not a every episode occurrence going forward. The other, the other head I thought I had is like, you want the, these are really good, like intro commercial scenes, you know, if you're going to mm-hmm. have an advertisement or something. So you got a brand new character. So you, Cause you got the whole cast for that one. Right. It was really like tangential, right? They were all outside catching up. And then this guy is being walked out and they're all just, you're just staring at him. I mean, you could tell that they kind of like cut this scene weird because it is a weird cut. One moment they're on like opposite sides of a cop car, and the next moment they're all in like a perfect line. Yeah, it's a weird. It's not. And it's not. It's moment, not great editing. Next moment they're on opposite sides of like a car, 
And so they just kind of like insert it in there. But it does make really good, you know, for a commercial or an ad or, you know, whatever it is. Or an intro or something. So I gotta let it go. Gotta let it go. It's a yep. great shot. It's a good shot, you know. But yeah. As long, as, as long as it's not in every episode. But I think it's CSI Miami or something where there's like on all the ads, there's like somebody screaming, yeah. Yes. Or something. That's CSI Miami. Which, if we if we continue the show CLK. long enough, is probably going to be the last one we review because I really don't like CSI. Yeah. I've tried to get through it multiple times and I've never been able to get through it. Uh, the only thing I know about CSMAMB is that one guy in sunglasses. He's in every ad. Yes. I don't know his name. I don't want to know his name. I'd have to like look it up. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, that's the only thing I know about CSMAMB. But in that sound effect, yeah. it's in the every wow! commercial. Yeah, it's in every commercial. Yes. All right, guys. Well, so we talked about this earlier, but let us know your thoughts on. So the first episode we watched, you know, half of the episode and did a recording and then watched the second half and finished the recording. So Nick was totally blind as to who the killers slash killers were this time. We just watched the episode all the way through and Nick just jotted down at certain points where he thought the killer was and when that changed so love to get your feedback on which one you which one you preferred so we can tweak that going forward next week we will be reviewing season one episode three of csi crate and burial oh i don't even know the name of the i didn't even know what it was called yeah uh, crate and burial I, I do however i'm pretty sure that i have to change streaming platforms csi is leaving hulu it's, but I have, the uh, first two seasons are on Paramount Plus. I was like, I have Paramount Plus. So yeah, I, I looked it up, and that's what okay. It is, I was so. like, the first two seasons are think, on Paramount I th- Plus. I so. think the first, I think all the seasons are be on Paramount Plus next week, because oh. the implication is that it's. Being you know how much money I spent to buy them on Prime? I spent so much money uh, to buy them. On Prime. Well, I don't know for sure, but I just what I've what I've learned is that <sighs> like I'm sure the contract for Hulu is running out and. Now it's going to Paramount Plus. Yeah. Okay. Thank, well, at, at least for now. Thankfully, someone in my house owns every. We own every streaming service in this house. One way yeah. Between other. between all of you. There's, I live in a commune of six people. We, <laughs> we own it all. No kids. Six incomes. No children. Actually, that's not true because my dad is one of one of the people, but he rents a room for me, and uh, well, he has kids. But they're grown, so he's not he's not like financially responsible for his children anymore. Yeah, I'm financially responsible for him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's how it goes. That's Hopefully it, he's it, not listening to this. That that shift <laughs> happens sometimes. So feel free to follow us on Facebook and search Who Are You Colon a CSI podcast. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Who Are You CSI Pod, or you can email us at whoareyoucsipod at gmail.com. If you want to send feedback, please feel free to send it to us there. And again, we'll be back next week with Crate and Burial. 